Hey, this is Gary Corbett, co-writer of Shebop. You're listening to Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast with Lee McCormack. Well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is. Rockin' and rollin' and whatnot. Hey, what's happening, friends? Welcome to Tramps Like Us, the Bruce Springsteen podcast, sidecast, rockin' and rollin' and whatnot. Episode 27, Professional Wrestling, Mount Rushmore. I'm joined for this sidecast by two great friends, Alex Ferguson and Eric Ziedler, to talk some wrestling. We're each picking our Mount Rushmore wrestlers, our favorite wrestlers, you know, the four grapplers that made the biggest impact on our wrestling fandom. This was a lot of fun doing this episode with my buddies here, having a few drinks, telling some jokes, telling some stories, reminiscing and laughing and talking about wrestling. So thanks to Baba and Eric for joining me and and thanks to you for listening, whether on the website, TrampsLikeUsPod.com, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you found it. Stay up to date with the show on the Facebook group page, Tramps Like Us, the Bruce Springsteen Podcast. So I hope everyone is feeling good out there, and let's have some fun. And what you gonna do when the Tramps Like Us Podcast runs wild on you? So here we go. We're, t- we're doing a podcast, sidecast here. It's a wrestling. It's a sidecast, a way sidecast. And we're here with, back again, Eric Zeeler. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. All right. Yeah, you were on a previous episode. And, and Baba Ferguson, Alex Ferguson is here. How you doing, man? Good, good. This is like my fourth time, I think. The last time you were on this podcast, Eric, was with Baba, right? What, what, we were. It was Springsteen. And we did some Springsteen. That's the Springsteen yeah. album. And I think we were watching... Uh, we did the uh, the Sweet 16 mm-hmm. album. Yeah. Right. Uh, Elimination Tournament. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and we, we watched videos. Yes. Commentary yeah. on uh, yeah. the Born in the USA video. Right, right. seemed to... There's some comment about uh, Bill Cosby's sweater on uh, somebody in the E Street. Video. Yeah, Roy, Roy Bitten yeah. kind of had a, had a mm-hmm. Cosby sweater yeah, vibe no, going. I have no yeah. recollection of that. In that area, yeah. Check him out. Roy Bitten, circa 1984 85. Cosby sort of guy. Yeah. Right? yeah. But not a Cosby type of guy, thank God. No, yeah. yeah. He's, 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 
All right, so we're going to talk about wrestling tonight, and the topic of the show is our Mount Rushmore of wrestling. So this would be our four favorite favorite wrestlers, professional wrestlers. Nice, nice. It's a good gimmick. Yeah, so what we'll do is we'll kind of each go around picking our favorite wrestlers. All right, so before we go through our our four picks, let's kind of just talk about you know where it started with us for wrestling. So Eric, when did you become a professional wrestling fan? I can remember what like I'm, uh, I can remember in my living room back when I lived in Toronto. So this is I'm like seven years old, and I still remember, but I don't really remember exactly who I was seeing. But probably it was AWA wrestling, I believe. It used to be on Saturday afternoons at noon, I think on Global. And, you know, you'd see some Nick Bockwinkle, Andre the Giant. And then and then I kind of discovered Maple Leaf Wrestling uh, and then moved to Pickering in 1978. And that's uh, Maple Leaf Wrestling, Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, good old BC Wrestling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Superstars yeah, of Wrestling Superstars of Wrestling with Crybaby, George Cannon. And it's all cable yeah, TV. Right? All cable TV. And Weekends could, and stuff There, like there were some Saturdays because it wasn't every Saturday because, you know, they'd show college basketball or something on that you could I could watch. Um, wrestling from twelve to four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, uh, that was that was definitely uh, later on because I remember there was uh, WWF Superstars, yeah. WWF Challenge, and then there was BC Wrestling, yeah. the Al Tomko. That wrestling, was always on at two, and then there was the yeah. international wrestling on at three. That, the Montreal, yes, wrestling that's right. With the Rujos and yeah. Dino Bravo, mm-hmm. and, everything. and that yeah. that kind of uh, grew out of Superstars of Wrestling, uh, the George Cannon one. Right, right, yes, yes, yes yeah. So you just loved it, like watching just, TV. I just loved it. it just captured you. The... There's these guys beating each other up, and I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and then and it, it wasn't until a little bit later when you, then you start to get into like the uh, storyline, the, the story, yeah, the exactly, characters, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. What about you, Babel? When did it? Well, I I don't up? really have distinct memories. It's all kind of blurry. Like I didn't become immediately obsessed. Like I would watch wrestling every now and then. My earliest memory, I was Jesse Ventura and Adrian Adonis, the East-West uh, East Express. East yeah. Express or, yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember them, and I remember being terrified of guys like the great Kabuki and Abdullah the Butcher. Because <laughs> you, you kind of didn't know if it was fake or real. Like, no, yeah, I didn't know it was fake. You didn't know it. You because didn't know, I remember yeah. once... Yeah. Rock you're young enough to like not do the difference. I remember right? once Rock and Roll Buck Zumoff came into the ring, right? <laughs> With the ghetto blaster. With the ghetto blaster. <laughs> and then it, his opponent, I don't remember who it was, smashed his ghetto blaster. And he got so angry. Yeah. And I remember getting all worked up. And like that's like I really sympathize with... <laughs> Buck Zoom off, but this guy fair. destroying his ghetto blaster, and I remember I became enraged. And that's and why I remember also Jesse Ventura and Adrian Adonis is they attacked before the bell rang, and yeah. I remember breaking that, the rules. That's so dastardly. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought it was sport, a sporting event, right? Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't really um, until like the first WrestleMania where, like, we were talking before the podcast how Maple Leaf Wrestling used to be the Mid-Atlantic wrestlers. They used to come up here. Billy Red Lions would do the interviews. And then all of a sudden, it was, like, WWF. And I remember that was confusing. Like, suddenly there was, like, no more Ric Flair. But it wasn't confusing. And also, because that was at a time when a lot of the the, uh, Mid-Atlantic guys came to the WWF, like Roddy Piper, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Bob Orton. So it was kind of seamless in that way. But I remember the whole Cindy Lauper rock yeah. and wrestling connection. That's what really started drawing my eyes and what really, really, truly made me a fan. 
There was a little where I would watch every week was Tito Santana yeah. beating Greg Valentine in the cage yeah. for the Intercontinental Championship. And there, there was a little golden age of Maple Leaf wrestling just before it turned WWF. It was uh, definitely they had a lot of Mid Atlantic wrestlers on, but it did. They, they all of a sudden they'd have like a guy from the AWA come in, or yeah. from Florida, or like no class Bobby Bass. Would yeah, he just come out in nowhere territories. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So the yeah. WWE would it go to the like they, they would tour and they would be like an hour in like whatever North Carolina yeah. and whatever the star were there would yeah. show up on yeah. the show right? but at like, the same time there yeah. was AWA mm-hmm. and there was like Quebec wrestling and BC wrestling and I remember like it was all just a sport to me and I didn't right. really know until Wrestlemania I didn't really know the distinctions between like the different federations right well you know I've mentioned this before on this podcast and you know we're doing the Mount Rushmore of, our, of wrestling which is our four favorites and you know like hardcore listeners of the Tramps Like Us podcast and the Tramps Like Us uh, sidecast rock and roll and whatnot have probably heard our, our wrestling theme episode that we did we're at the very end of that me and uh, Joey Haney and Eric Miller we listed our Mount Rushmore uh, of wrestlers so people that have heard that will know my picks and I mentioned on that episode that what got me into wrestling, professional wrestling, was, was seeing Rocky III, actually. Oh, yeah, that was a big one for me. Yeah. Too. yeah like, I had yeah, no yeah. idea about wrestling probably up until that point. Like, I was, you know, I, I knew the Rocky movies. Yeah. I was a big fan of that, and I knew about boxing. And then seeing Rocky III in that moment were Thunderlips, which yeah. is Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I definitely knew Hulk Hogan at yeah. that point. But that's what really made me think, oh, wrestling bang. And that scene yeah. in that movie was just so amazing. I was just like, wow. Yeah, yeah. The Hulkster, yeah. like, picking Balboa up and throwing him in the crowd was just amazing, right? So, as soon as I saw that movie, I got out. That was, like, 83, 82, right? Around that era. And I remember, like, going into a convenience store and seeing a wrestling magazine. Yeah, that was yeah. a big thing. Right? Like, you'd always see, like, you know, magazines were so big back in the 70s and 80s, right? And you would have, like, the... As you're growing up, you have the Mad and the Cracked magazines, right? And then you have yep. the, the rock magazines like Circus and Hit Parade. Cream. Cream. Yeah, you had to read those. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there was like this section of sports magazines where you had like hockey and basketball. But then there would be like this wrestling magazine section, right? And I remember the first wrestling magazine I ever bought was Inside Wrestling. Yeah. Right? And it had a picture of the Road Warriors on the cover and I think Andre the Giant. And I'm like, that looks awesome. So I bought this magazine and I just read it cover to cover. And, you know, it had all the rankings from yeah, different rankings. territories. And you're yeah. reading Everything all these names and their weights and where they're from. And it's just so dramatic. It's and like, just, who are these guys? Yeah. And there's a picture of them. Like, I got to see this guy yeah, wrestle. Yeah. yeah. It's so charismatic. And, you know, this is like, what, 20 years before the internet. So you don't know about any of these people, but you're reading and you have these passionate writers writing about these matches and yeah. what happens. And it's, it seems all so real. And like, this is some intense shit, right? So I was just hooked from there and then, like, watching it on TV and obviously getting hooked by you know, WWF in 84, and like you said, Baba WrestleMania 1 and Cindy Lauper and those ma- those matches with Hogan and Piper and Mr. T, and it was so amazing back then, right? So, so, uh, so let's get into our Mount Rushmore picks, and uh, let me just start off and lead with, uh, you know, kind of the guy that got me into wrestling, which is Hulk Hogan, has definitely got to be on my Mount Rushmore. Um, you know, it, it's got to have that big mustache and that bald head. On Mount Rushmore, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, d- he, w- he does look good on Mount Rushmore, and he's also on my, on my list too. Really? I, okay. Yeah, and I, I I was never a Hulk Hogan fan, but y- you can't deny what he's meant to wrestling. He's the face of wrestling. Yeah. Right? It, like it's just like if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, you don't know if this business would have took off like it did, right? And he just you know when I was like nine, ten years old, and 
you know, seeing him in that movie and seeing... Well, another thing with Rocky Three is when, when you're a kid, you think Sylvester Stallone is this big, huge guy, right? Yeah, so you see him next to Hulk Hogan and you think, well, how fucking big is Hulk Hogan if he <laughs> yeah. dwarfs Sylvester Stallone? It wasn't until later on that you realized, well, Sylvester Stallone's in good shape, but he's not a big, big guy. Right? I, I was yeah. telling Lee earlier, I did see Hulk Hogan while well, I was in Florida a few years back. Really? I was in the lobby of a hotel, and me and my daughter were in the hotel, and I, and I said to her, that guy looks like Hulk Hogan. And I went, oh, shit, that's Hulk Hogan. And he was with his daughter, and he was freaking big. Yeah. Yeah, and he wasn't as big, obviously, then as he was uh, way back when. Yeah, right? Well, yeah. for so many years, he, yeah, his, his back has been fucked for so many years, mm -hmm. so he's kind of probably lost yeah. inches because of that. But he was, they always used to bill him as 6'8", what, 305? Yeah. Something like that, right? Yeah. And just on the 24-inch pythons, those biceps, yeah. right? And obviously... You know, people that know this podcast, I'm from Pickering, which is a suburb of Toronto. And, you know, Toronto is a Hulk Hogan town. Oh, no doubt. So when I got hooked on wrestling and Hulk Hogan and everything, you know, wrestling events at Maple Leaf Gardens would happen monthly. Every month there would be a new wrestling card. And Hulk would show up like every three or four month, yeah. months. And that was the show to go. Those shows would usually sell out. Like between like 84 and maybe 88 or 89, anytime Hulk Hogan was on the card, it was a sellout. And... You know, seeing some of those matches in Maple Leaf Gardens with Hulk Hogan fighting all these guys like Big John Studd, King Kong Bundy, Harley Race. I remember I saw, you know, Hulk versus Harley Race in a Texas Tornado match, and it was just so bloody, and it was just amazing, right? <laughs> I saw Hulk versus Kamala in a steel cage there. I, I saw, I might have been at the, I think it was at the same card. I saw yeah. Hulk against Kamala in a steel cage. I saw Hulk Hogan versus Killer Khan, too. I was oh, at yeah. that one, yeah. 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 And it was always like a Sunday night. Right. Yeah, 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 always Sunday. Yeah. Always Sunday. Yeah. I'm, I'm Promoter I... Jack Tunney has yeah. come up with another spectacular card. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> See Billy, you there soon. Billy Red Lions. Don't you dare miss it. Billy Red Lions on CHCH. And, yeah. You know, I'd always buy one of those, like, vanilla ice cream bars. And, oh, it's just so, so many great memories. And, you know, obviously the pay-per-views and WrestleMania and, you know, seeing the... Well, I, I didn't see the pay-per-view the first WrestleMania, but I remember, like, uh, the, when the VHS came out... And renting it from across the street where yeah, we yeah, yeah. video video. Yeah. And what I did was, uh, you, know, you know, back in the day, I had a v we had a VCR and my uncle had a VCR. So I would say I would rent a videotape and I would take our VCR and the yeah. videotape to my uncle's and I would I would dub it right. I, mean, I would make a bootleg copy of it right, and then I would watch that thing every day for like six months. Right? I remember yeah. like I remember those VHS tapes used to be so expensive back then. Too. Yeah, like, like 50, 70, 60 bucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I remember I always wanted to get those Coliseum videos, but like. I was even afraid to ask my parents for that. Yeah, it was, that was way too so expensive. At that time, yeah. Like, right. yeah. So yeah, man, I'm I'm definitely a Hulkamaniac. I even love his like, you know, the later eras in the '90s when he turned bad. NWO, Hollywood Hogan's era. Yeah, that was. He was like an amazing villain too, right? Yeah. Well, that was much better. I actually um, went from. I remember I liked Hulk Hogan when I started watching WWF, but I remember there was a turning point where I started disliking Hulk Hogan where um, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff turned on him. Mm. And I remember thinking, wow, I find myself pulling for Mr. Wonderful in yeah. this angle here. Like I, I, I remember that moment. I, rem I remember were, Hulk Hogan looked kind of pathetic to me. when, when They were tagging up. And yeah. they, they were mm -hmm. one a match, and they had their arms up, and like yeah. Orndorff gave him a clothesline. Yeah, the yeah, driver, yeah. Right? and yeah. I remember Hulk Hogan seemed really pathetic to me, and then like I kind of switched allegiances to... Uh, but Tito was my favorite back then, anyway. <laughs> like, so. Yeah, I just... I, Reba. I really... I didn't like Hogan, but I think it's that was more of, a, of just me being of that age. I, I yeah. turned to Rule Breakers really early on. 
And getting back to the magazines a little bit, there's a guy who wrote in all those magazines, I mean, Dan Shockett. And so all the articles would be like, you know, for all the good guys and all that. But Dan Shockett loved the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then Dan Shockett died or something. So another well, guy took well, over, the, Eddie Elner. The big three wrestling magazines were Pro Wrestling yep. Illustrated, The Wrestler, and Inside Wrestling. That's right. And I think yeah. they're all put out by Bill Apter, who probably right. all wrote yeah. all those articles yeah. himself under pseudonyms, I so, assume. So I remember reading that Dan Shockett guy and going, yeah, I agree with him. And he, and he always used to talk about... All the all the fan all, the fans always cheer for these guys, but they break more rules than the so-called bad guys and everything. <laughs> and I went, yeah, that's right. So I, I in that era, that's kind of the way well, I saw Hogan. But that probably in a reverse way kind of worked. Well, Jesse Ventura was yeah. right though in that case. Like he was always pointing out when Hogan was breaking the rules. Yeah, and he yeah, was right about Yeah, but I mean that's it, that's a vague area, man. Yeah, if you can break true. the rules behind the reference back, like all the power. To yeah, you, I guess. Right? So anyway, uh, yeah, Eric, we picked our, our what we're gonna do. We're picking our favorites for Mount Rushmore, but we're also gonna pick our favorite match by each of our picks, right? So obviously, I got to go with my favorite match is um, March 29th, 1987, WrestleMania three, Pontiac Dome in Pontiac, Michigan, Michigan versus Andre the Giant. You know, undeniably one of the greatest and biggest wrestling matches of all time. I remember seeing that uh, pay per view. You know, the wrestling would go on and. You know, this, you would have to go to what, like a, a small arena, and they would show it on the TV screen. So, what, like closed rest- circuit, yeah. closed circuit closed TV, circuit, yeah. right? So, for WrestleMania three, me and my dad were at the Oshawa Civic Center with about like six thousand other people watching nice. WrestleMania three mm-hmm. on the big screen, right? And you know that match, that moment where Hulk picks him up and body slams him, drops a leg, and pins him was, uh, yeah. I can, I'm right there. I can go right back to that moment, which was like what, 33 years ago, right? It's incredible. That's definitely my favorite match. You know, those two huge icons. Andre the Giant, honorable mention. He didn't make my Mount Rushmore, but uh, Andre is just probably one of the biggest uh, wrestling uh, you know, figures ever. So yeah. uh, w- what a huge match is WrestleMania 3, Hogan versus Andre. That was de- I've got a couple down for Hogan. Yeah. So since you're gonna, you said that one, because I was, I was probably going to go with that one, but I'll, I'll, so I'm going to go with another one where... Uh, I've, I've, for whatever reason, this one always sticks in my head. Saturday night's main event, and I don't remember exactly the year, but he's wrestling Hercules Hernandez. Oh, really? That's the one he and lost. He, he lost that. He one. completely lost. He was up in the tor- he had him up in the torture rack. Really? Her- yeah. And he's- you can see Hogan's hand. <laughs> Like, are you sure he, he said, wasn't oh, just like? No, no, he said he, uncle. It, wasn't it was just, aud- yeah. it was audibly. The only no, person, man, I think Hercules was bouncing. The only person in the no, whole no. arena who didn't hear it was Vince McMahon. Yeah, Jesse heard it. Everybody Jesse heard, heard it. it. I heard it. Yeah, and I went back and I watched it, and sure enough, that arm is is he's tapping out, obviously to, to the air at that point because he's up in the middle. Yeah, of, you know. and that's what Hogan yeah. meant when he said, "This is where the power lies." And yeah, he point to the center of the, his hand because mm-hmm. he had Jack Tunney, <laughs> Vince McMahon. Yeah, everybody in the off. palm of yeah. their hand. Yeah. Now, mind wow. you, uh, when he was in the NWO, <laughs> I, I really did like uh, the, the Hogan era and the NWO. And one so great, the the, the the black beard, the, with the blonde. Oh, that was excellent. What the fuck was that, right? Yeah. Like who came up with that? <laughs> Would he be playing the air guitar? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. playing the belt like yeah, Jimmy yeah. Hendrix. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, that voodoo was great. Oh, used voodoo oh, child. My God, I, now right. I loved when he took off Except the white belt. Called it voodoo chili. Yeah, I love when he take the belt off and he'd start whipping people with it. He'd make that sound like kind of. He did that to David Flair, and Ric Flair wrote in his book that he really was legit angry at Hogan. And and one of the things I love about Hogan as uh, Hollywood Hogan, as the villain, is like, you know, he gets criticized for having like five moves, right? But when he was a villain, he went down to like two. 
right? Like it was, yeah. it was literally yeah. like a chop and a leg drop, and that was pretty much it. <laughs> you ever see any matches with Hulk Hogan from Japan where he's actually wrestling? Well, we were he's watching. Actually, yeah, actually, yeah, he's good. Yeah, he was a good, good wrestler. Yeah. yeah, we were watching before you got here, Babbo. We were watching uh, Backlund versus Hogan, 1980. Oh, really? Where Hogan was the villain, and there was a moment where, you know, Hogan had Backlund in this like, like leg arm submission hold, and like Backlund picked him up, stood up. Hogan reversed it, like it was a total like, uh, what do you call that? Uh, the Greco-Roman, Greco-Roman yeah, yeah. wrestling. What is what is what's the term like? Uh, there's, there's a term for it. On my own. Like, Fireman's carry, catches catch can. Is oh, that catches catch it, can it, style? Is that yeah, style? Yeah, like yeah. Catches catch can. Chain wrestling. <laughs> Chain wrestling. Yeah, something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, but so. yeah, in those early days, he's uh, he's a pretty good wrestler. Like just like uh, the basics and everything, he was good. Remember when he used to shave his chest hair to be like a T. He used to shave his Chester to be like a cross. (laughs) And he did kind of wear the singlet with it. He had the two over the the shoulder uh, look there as well. Like real early. He had had that long uh, uh, gold robe when Mm. he was managed by uh, Freddie Blassie. Blassie, Freddie Blassie. He looked brilliant, Freddie Blassie. Like he rocked the pink. Like it was incredible. Like no man could do that. Like the way he did. The Hollywood fashion plate. So the Hulkster, man, I'm a Hulkamaniac, and he's definitely, you know, got to be that first head. The, uh, you know, what, what is that? Is it the George Washington position? Of, uh, just, I don't even remember the order, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. But anyway, that's my Hulkster. I should. I'm like a history teacher. So, let, Baba, let's go to, next to you. Who's uh, who's the first pick on your Mount Rushmore? Well, I'll go with uh, Ric Flair. I don't have Hulk Hogan on mine, but I do have Woo! Ric Flair. I think we all do. Um, yeah, like one yeah. of the first, like as it, like I said. No, he's my, not on my list. Oh, he's one not. Of, he's oh. not on my list. One of my first first favorite wrestlers, and there's something to be said for longevity, staying on top, the the interview skills, and (laughs) just the so many matches. Like, it was really hard. Like, we talk about finding a favorite match by each person. Well, Ric Flair has so many good matches. We got a great one on the background right now. We're watching Royal Rumble 92. Yeah, I almost almost selected this one. Where Ric Flair entered at number three, and he uh, goes right to the end. This match was for the the title, so he went with the belt this way. That's Virgil in there, I think. At the moment, he just chopped the model Rick Martel, and he just, uh, the model reversed him. Now he's slammed him in the turnbuckle. Model's unloading some, uh, some fists on him. Uh, Flair is selling. Oh, model grabs his leg, both legs. He's trying to force him out, but Flair's holding on to the ropes. Oh, fireman's carry. Oh, he still can't get him out. Rick, <laughs> Rick Martel is a hell of a wrestler. And a, too. F- a former world champion, Rick yeah. Martel, AWA yeah, 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 champion. You can yeah. find a lot of good Rick Martel matches. Well, there was that. Know. There was that era for like what two years where it was like Flair, Martel, and Hulk were the, were the yeah, champs were the in the big champs. three, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so more Ric Flair. Like, Ric Flair didn't make my top four because he didn't age well for me. Like, the last 20 years, I didn't really like Ric Flair. I wonder now, if I he would have retired. That might change your mind. It yeah. would. It yeah. would. And, like, I could say that about Hulk, too, because Hulk in the last 10, 15 years has been kind of questionable. Right. Like, I wish he would just kind of, like, go into the shadows and let me remember. Well, I <laughs> did. The other day, but, while I was doing my research, right, I did find probably uh, where Ric Flair's last real good era was. Um was he wrestled Arn Anderson at Fall Brawl 95, and it was when they 95? had... 95? That's like wow. 20 years ago. 25, 15 years ago. Yeah, but that was, that, 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 that was a, it was a surprisingly good match. I had... I had uh, Arn Anderson had discussed it on his podcast not too long ago, and I thought, I, I don't remember Disgusting. seeing that match. So 
I went back and I watched it, and yeah, it was, it was really was good. WCW. Yeah, or? Hulk Hogan had just mm -hmm. come into WCW, right. so Ric Flair wasn't really the top he guy. He must have had some good uh, WWF. But it was matches, before. It, it was before. Oh yeah, he definitely had some good WWF matches. Like, like I'm uh, talking like after the WCW period, like when he came back in the nine. Uh, I like, guess I guess he did. Like, but it was still like it, he he had his spots. Like the era that do. turns me off of uh, Ric Flair is when he got with uh, Batista, Dave Batista. I don't like that guy. I, I, I wasn't big on that era either, to be honest. Yeah. Evolution? Yeah. yeah. Evolution. Yeah. He was the tag champ with uh, Dave Batista. Yeah. And, and then he had that match with Shawn Michaels, which was supposed to be his last match. And the fucking ending of that was just so awful. Where well, does, we're, we're, Shawn, we... Shawn Michaels says, I love you. Yeah. And then he well, gives him I the super kick or whatever, and then he pins him. That's fucking bullshit, man. I think, like, I, think oh. that, I think that comes from the fact that all of us really don't like Shawn Michaels. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, and Flair is he, just he's, like... He's like the most overrated, like, I love you, opinion. Shawn Michaels. <laughs> I'm, it's such an honor to go out with you. But anyway, enough... enough, enough okay. Hey, enough, enough, enough getting on uh, Ric Flair's yes. faults. Let's Flair's talk, awesome, let's talk 80s about, Ric Flair. Let's talk about how great he was. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> so my favorite match was against Harley Race... November 24th, 1983, in Greensboro, North Carolina, at the original Starcade. Was that his second title? Second title, right? That was the cage match? That's the cage Where match. everybody came in at the end and put him on his shoulders? Yeah, Dusty yeah. Rhodes? No, Dusty Rhodes came into the locker room after and congratulated okay. him and challenged that, him. But that like, would have been, but, yeah, yeah. But, but Angela Mosca had him on his shoulders, yeah. and there was Steamboat, and, uh, and Youngblood were out there, and uh, Johnny Weaver. And all, all congratulating his wife, whoever it was at the time, came in and hugged <laughs> One him of the many. all bloody. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, the whole, it, it wasn't just the match. Like, it, it was like, even though it was Flair's second title reign, it was his first real big one. Because even him in his book has said his first one, he didn't really find that successful. But se the second title reign is where he really yeah. took off. Mm -hmm. And uh, just the atmosphere there, like, there was a real... There was still a real sports atmosphere that was believable yeah. in the match. The commentary was Gordon Sully and Bob it was Wasn't it something weird like he it just was a rolled flank, him up? It was a flying cross body run and rolled up. He yeah. rolled him up, oh, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. That's, that's like a cheap victory almost, yeah. right? Yeah, but, but it, was, it, was, it was such a good match. And um, like just walking into the arena... Like, you know, like they'd be surrounded by police and they'd have to like walk over the railing in order to get to the ring. And the looks on their faces were all serious. And the way Ric Flair came out like through um, fireworks and dry ice. And he had the 2001 theme song play, but then it ended. Really? And then he walked out just to the cheers, oh, right? Wow. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I uh, what else do I have for that? Yeah, so... Anyway, I just watched that one today just to make sure again it was my favorite because I watched a lot of Ric Flair matches. Yeah. Because uh, we had a What about any of the Steamboat ones? Were they any contenders? Oh, yeah, yeah. The last Steamboat was a definite all, contender. All, 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 all mine, yeah. Which one? There's three great There's ones. Three Is there one ones? that's the superior one? I think the last one. Really? The third one where Ric Flair wins it back, I think, is uh, probably the best one. And then Terry Funk. Steamboat comes. beats him twice? Yeah. But one's in like a DQ no, or no, something? No, one, one is a draw. I think one is Steamboat wins and then there's a draw. Or there's a draw and then Steamboat wins and then Flair gets it back. I okay. remember the something order. Like that, yeah. And then right after that, it goes into his Terry Funk, which I, th I think the, that's the one I almost picked, the Terry Funk I Quit match. And he also had a really good Terry Funk match um, at, uh, at a 
another pay-per-view or another classic class of the champions. So he's got hundreds of and, matches, man. And what what I notice, you'll notice going through my Mount Rushmore. Spoiler. Sorry, I just we're just watching the thing and Flair whipped Hogan in the turnbuckle and he goes, Woo! And he got clothesline and he's fucking <laughs> <laughs> We got to talk about the flare uh, face plant, one of the oh, legendary yeah. moves. You know that thing where he just gets hit a bunch of times and he just like acts like he's knocked out and he just falls front face, like yeah, just busting his. How many times yeah. do you bounce your face off the canvas like that, right? Yeah. And that move and where, he, where, he where he gets, gets thrown into the, into the turbuckle? He gets thrown into the corner. He goes upside down and then he yeah. walks rolls on around the rolls outside. Around, yeah. Yeah. Climbs up the other turnbuckle. Double like axe handle. Yeah. He always yeah. misses yeah. it, right? Or sometimes he gets clotheslined on the outside. <laughs> yeah, on the before apron. he even gets <laughs> <laughs> and, and, we, and we were, I think we were all talking about the, the time he did actually hit the double axe handle off the top. Yeah, yeah he's probably only hit that a few times yeah. Right, yeah. in his career. Yeah, um, for Flair, for me, it's also a Harley race match. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, Flair in a race. Wow. Um, and just to go back on Flair a little bit, he... For, for you, Hulk Hogan was that first wrestler. For me, it was Flair. Yeah, and, that, and, and, and that, it was for me. Too. Yeah, and yeah. that goes. But like, we're from Canada, and they didn't yeah. really play Flair matches on TV. How did you see it? No, no, so this it, was pre WWF. Yeah, Mid Atlantic yeah. Wrestling. Uh, it was on Flair. TV. Yes, yeah. It was oh. Maple Leaf Wrestling. Yeah. So as soon as like WWF w took Billy over Red. Toronto, the yeah. other stuff disappeared. That's right. Yeah, Billy and that's Red. When I got into Billy it. Yeah. Red Lions would actually interview like the yeah. Mid Atlantic stars because they would come. I remember wrestling Brantford, and then at Maple Leaf Garden. I remember a match from Brantford and it was on Maple Leaf Wrestling and it was Ric Flair and Dewey Robertson the missing uh, link against that's right they're missing link against Jimmy Snuka and Roddy Piper and and it was wow. like one of those uh, uh, one of those I, matches where I saw that there, one on YouTube there was recently. no there was no yeah. jobber there and it was like they got four superstars here wrestling and it was a great match yeah. and I always I always remember that match that they were wrestling like around here I knew yeah. they were wrestling around here somewhere but Flair was that first guy for me and he, he was US champion uh, he's feuding with Greg Valentine, then uh, feuding with Roddy Piper, uh, feuding with Wahoo McDaniel. Uh, though I, I, I remember that little studio where all those mid-Atlantic wrestling yeah, uh, yeah. took place. It's and, like and 100 it, people, like yeah. a low ceiling and everything. Flair's yeah. got the three-piece suit on. <laughs> and he would always come out, yeah. cut a promo, yeah. and then go right to the ring, right? Yeah. 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 Um, the, the sunglasses and... <laughs> All, all the bragging that Flair With did the about line, the wheeling, dealing, yeah. jet flying, and as it turns out, kiss he, stealing, he, 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 he wasn't lying. Yeah, That's it wasn't. He wasn't playing it up at all. Yeah, uh, he, he did. He, he yeah. did. He did. I mean, he wasn't as rich as no. he claimed to be, but he did spend that kind of money. Yeah, yeah. That's for sure. he yeah. definitely had lifestyle. My Flair, there was that. Uh, yeah. There was that like. What, that, uh, what was that like sports center thing like Flair the thirty for thirty thing or whatever? That came oh yeah, oh, I never watched that. Oh, it's it was kind of disgusting. Yeah, it goes I almost did. Oh I almost, wow, he I it talks about the it. kind of guy he, can't, he was. Oh like, wow, all the womanizing and everything. Yeah, like yeah, that. Between yeah, the, yeah. I don't know how he's alive. Like the between the drinking and the womanizing. One and, story I've always I don't I think I might have heard this in in Bret Hart book he wrote about flair saying how flair would always be the last guy at the bar just drinking and drinking but he was always the first guy in the gym like up on the elliptical cutting a pace like no one could ever yeah, do yeah and like and he would wrestle for an hour yeah. the following night right so he he was an incredible specimen and for you know 15 years he was he was the top of the, the top well of the game. bobby Heenan called him the larry flint of professional wrestling <laughs> <laughs> i think flair epitomizes everything about rap like i think yeah. he's good at everything he's not maybe the best at everything maybe on the mic he might have been the best yeah but he, he was just kind of good at everything now when, when he got older yeah obviously in the ring you could kind of yeah, see the like a bit of a parody of yeah, himself exactly and kind of joked around too much yeah, yeah. 
My match, by the way, is is Flare against Harley Race. Yeah, we, and, we never, yeah, we never got to that. Got to that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's, it's Flare against Harley Race in a steel cage at Maple Leaf Gardens. Ooh, and that's about oh, 82, 83. Cut. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the gold. You were there live. I'm there live. Wow, best and it's, match ever. Um, like, it must have went on for about a half an hour. Uh, it was just, and who was champion at the time? Uh, uh, Race was champion. I believe okay. Race beat Flare. So what, uh, fi what federation was this? This was NWA. Yeah. NWA at Maple Leaf Gardens? NWA at Maple Leaf Gardens. I have no idea about that. NWA yeah. was at Maple Leaf Gardens from like 77 to 84. Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. wow. And uh, it, it was just it was just a classic match. And to be there and the blood everywhere. and the, uh, it, was, it was beautiful. It was great. And I was cheering for Flair. And I, I always remember on Maple that the first time I heard that Flair won the world title was on Maple Leaf Wrestling. And... Uh, and it started out with Billy Red Lions, and he was sitting at a desk, and he never sat at it. It was really bizarre, and I can still remember this, him sitting at a desk and saying, we have big news, Ric Flair has won the world, NWA World Championship from Dusty Roads. And that was it. There wasn't any video of it. There was nothing, but that yeah, it was, that was an announcement. City, it was in Kansas City. Yeah, and he'd, yeah it just happened, and yeah. there was no cameras, and you know that's, that was the way it was. Yeah. And I, I give you kudos, Eric, for picking uh, that match because... You know, I'm sure that wasn't filmed. Probably not. Right? So yeah. probably, like, yep. there's only 12,000 other people that have yeah. seen that match. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. like, my, all my favorite matches are big matches that, you know, anyone can yeah. you know, click yeah. on YouTube. And, you know, probably YouTube, Baba. So, uh, you know, that's amazing. So, Eric, we haven't got your first pick. You've uh, kind of, you know, I've got, uh, you got uh, a yeah. duplicated with Baba there. So, what's your first pick? All right. I'm going to go with uh, Terry Funk. Oh. oh. <laughs> Beautiful. Can you do a Terry Funk imitation? I don't even know what I can do. I'm not oh, even going to go there. <laughs> um, really, take a look at Terry Funk's career. Yeah. And he probably wrestled recently. He probably did. Yeah. yeah he probably yeah, did. No doubt. The, there's the, that hardcore Terry Funk. Uh, and that's kind of, I guess that's where my greatest match is going to be. But then. That happened had, in the 90s. That right? happened in the 90s. And but, he was like, what, in his 50s? Maybe? Yeah. If you look at his work in the 80s and the 70s. He uh, he's NWA World Champion. Yeah. Uh, Harley Race wins his first NWA Championship off of Terry Lee, Funk. Lee and I just watched that match mm -hmm. actually uh, the last time I was here. We watched that, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great, great. And, yeah. and he's a damn good wrestler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On top of it, and catches catch can yeah. style. Yeah, there, there's so many uh, facets to Terry Funk, and even if you take a look at wrestling today, especially like a lot of the more violent, brutal stuff, it's all um, from him. It, it, it's from him. Now you could probably say maybe there's some Japanese connections yeah, to that yeah. or whatever. Abdul the Butcher, the Sheik, but but he really brought it to the next level, I think, right. um, to the mainstream. Yeah, so. and he was international. He wasn't a, yes. He wasn't like uh, beholden to any except maybe his own territory in Amarillo. He wasn't beholden to any federation. Like he would jump around from from place to place, and if he didn't get the deal he wanted or he wasn't happy, yeah. he he'd, he'd say my horse is sick and he'd leave and Surpri go back to the double surprising, cross ranch. Yeah, <laughs> with Haas. Yeah, or Dory. Yeah. Dory. Yeah. And surprisingly, I, I don't think the WWF utilized him uh, as well as they should have. No, as, I, I on, the, on, the, on the first round, I, I disagree. Think. What, like I think the, the, the Funk Brothers, the '80s era where he was a cowboy, I think was great. Like he was definitely he was a he was a guy that fought Hogan, right? He had a yeah. run with Hogan. He was a contender. Yeah. he was and on then, that level. And then, and then the junkyard, dog the junkyard dog, he was great guys, too. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and 
it was just not for that long. There wasn't yeah. a length, lengthy amount of time. And then he went back to the he went back to WCW and wrestled Flair in that series, yeah. which was brilliant. It was brilliant. Such good. Yeah, stuff. he first didn't he first commentate Flair versus Muda in a cage. Maybe? No, he no he co- he com- he co- uh, commentated. Um, Ricky Steamboat, and then he came out yeah, afterwards. Yeah, he was in his tux, and that's when he, he pile-drived pile on, on the table. Through, yeah, uh, yeah. That's what's beautiful about Funk, in a tux, yeah. and as a cowboy. <laughs> yeah. And then as just a guy who looks like a wrestler yeah. and on then, top yeah. of it. But and he, did, he did. He was with Muda. He, he was managed with... Uh, Gary Hart managed Terry Funk and Muda. Yeah, Gary And Hart they had a happy. really good match against Ric Flair and Sting in this wacky cage match where there was like shit hanging from the cage. I that was kind of goofy, but it was a good match. That's weird, man. And we got to talk about, you know, you know, an odd period of Terry Funk's career is the Chainsaw Charlie period. Oh, yeah. Where he, yeah. Where he yeah, got yeah. together with his buddy Mick right. Foley, right? And they, uh, they had a couple of matches where he came out. I think it was he was fighting... The, uh, the, did he fight Cactus Jack? Or Mick Foley wrestled a few times as Mick Foley. Just once. And it was against just once. Cactus can we put a, Jack. Can we, put, can we put a pin in that? Description, please. All right, so okay. anyway, I'll talk about, uh, you know, the Cactus Jack character where he teamed with uh, uh, Chainsaw, Chainsaw Charlie. Charlie and they, they were fighting the New Age Outlaws yeah. in oh, the cage matches and those they the dumpsters the, and the, stuff yeah. like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like not say. And he was wearing like... Like a, like a pantyhose on his yeah. face, and he came out with like a chainsaw. It was just weird, right? And he's a crazy motherfucker, yeah, yeah, fuck, yeah. right? And not, not to mention all the ECW and Japanese yeah. stuff too, which I have a feeling. Yeah, um, I went. What's between, your match? What's okay, your match? I, I went between two matches. Uh, the Japanese guy, uh, Onita. Onita. So I looked at that one, but I, 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 it was between that one, uh, which was the uh, exploding, uh, exploding exploding barbed ring, barbed, ring wire. barbed wire, which you just watch, you go, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. It was insane. Oh, I love the, 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 the barbed wire's cutting the flesh. It's, <laughs> it's, it's hard to watch. Yeah, he yeah. had one of those with Sabu as and, well. And actually, that ended up being my my match. It was <laughs> Sabu the, match? The Terry Funk Sabu barbed oh. wire ECW match. Wow. What year it, is this? Uh, nine, uh, 90. 96, maybe 95, somewhere in that area. What is this where he's wearing, like, remember those, like, black and white striped yeah. tights with the black, uh, yeah, it uh, looked like trunks a, over top, and he yeah, was wearing, yeah. he would wear, like, a t shirt, a t shirt, yeah, Funk U University, yeah, right? yeah. And, <laughs> and it had a picture of Terry Funk, and with he had, like, a headband a cap and, on it. And right? the, the first part of the match, actually, is, it, it, it's a pretty decent, it's, like, it's kind of straight wrestling match because yeah. they're afraid to go to the barbed wire, and they, they, they play it, they do it perfectly. The yeah. drama of the match goes perfectly. Are they gonna hit the barbed wire or not? And then once they start hitting the barbed wire, it's it, it, it's absolutely insane. And 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 at one point, Sabu takes the barbed wire, wraps himself in the barbed that wire, was gross. funk on the table, and then he leg drops or he leg drops him through the table with the barbed wire. Oh. And it is, oh yeah, I, they, I think they just end up stopping that match. It, it, was there I'm winner? not sure. There I, was there was a long stoppage in it. Yeah. I can't remember if it just ended like the, that. The or, barbed but wire the, cut it, Sabu's bicep in that match, yeah, and it and was. And they just taped it they, up or something. Just, yeah, he yeah, just brings the tape yeah. out, and it was. Yeah, it, it like, is tough to watch. Like, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think it it, it it represents that violent era. Or, or that violent part of wrestling that E set up in the type. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think. You can't just be like that, uh, and Funk, but Funk is more than that because he's a good wrestler too. 
and uh, his great, matches great tell stories, great, great interview. interviews. Yeah. When was his first match and when was his last match? Do you know that? Uh, he was sometime in the 70s, I would think, for his first match. Look at this. Sorry, in the background, oh, we have yeah. Jack Tunney presenting the, the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship to Ric Flair, who just... Look how proud Bobby Heenan and Kurt Hennig are. He just won the Royal Rumble. Now he's given a promo. Gene Mean Oakland on With the microphone. in my eye. Bobby Heenan and uh, Kurt Hennig behind him. Now, when we watched so this live what, way back there in we 92, were standing. we were standing in my basement. It was shocking <laughs> yeah. that he won. We didn't expect it, right? Because he ended nope. up number three, too. It was just fucking and, and incredible. And he wasn't a WWF guy. No, it's right? like almost, yeah. You'd think like Hogan would win it or something like that, right? Yeah, you almost expected that they brought him in just to like demean him to make it look like he's not as good as our game. We never yeah. got that Hogan versus Flair match, though. WrestleMania 8 should have been Hogan versus Flair. But... Flair versus Savage was still a hell of a match. Remember though. all those pictures with Elizabeth and Flair yeah. like hanging yeah. out by the pool? Eating strawberries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so creepy and it's awesome. No, I, I, I watched I, I watch that one if, uh, amongst my research for this podcast again. And it's that, not a good that, match. You didn't think so? WrestleMania 8? Yeah, I thought it was a great uh, match. But they it's like halfway through the card, too. It's like yeah, not but even I, like, I, still, I still thought it was a fun match. They do that sometimes on pay-per-views. Put those, those matches in odd places sometimes. Yeah. yeah. All right. <coughs> you all right? You all right? I'm all right. Need the Heimlich? <laughs> all right, so I'm going to go to my my second pick for my Mount Rushmore. is uh, got to be the Hitman, Bret Hart, from Calgary, Alberta, Whee! Canada. Whee! Yeah, the Hitman, right? So, uh, man, this guy's the fucking greatest, right? I always loved the Hart Foundation when he, you know, found out about those guys in the mid-'80s and uh, – you know, him with Jimmy Hart and uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart and those those wrestling matches they would have with, uh, you know, the Bulldogs and the Killer Bees and the Rougeos. And there was so many great uh, tag teams in the mid-'80s. There were. Those, those the Islanders, great, right? Great era for tag team wrestling. There was a bunch of specific tag teams, and then they would, like, put people together, like Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake would become the dream team. Yeah. And they were a good tag team, right? Tag team champs. Valentine and the Honky Tonk Man. Well, that didn't quite work. Rhythm and Blues. Yeah, Speaking but, of yeah. the Islanders, recently, um, sometime be shortly before his death, Burt Reynolds put his Islanders uh, satin jacket that he wore at uh, WrestleMania <laughs> up for <laughs> auction. I, I, I came close to buying that son of a bitch. Yeah. And I, I always remember WrestleMania 2. Uh, uh, remember they had like three locations for that That's one? That's right, yeah. Ooh, and, yeah. And, and the main event for the Chicago location was the Battle Royal, which had like football players and like the leftover wrestling superstars that weren't uh, on the uh, on That's the like card. the Chicago Bears were I, I believe I think, I think so yeah I think the, the refrigerator yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he, he was one of the last guys Bill to be eliminated <laughs> but I mean Andre the Giant was there so you know Andre's probably going to win but I think they were probably going to have a Steamboat versus Bret Hart match that night but that got scrapped and uh, you know Bret Hart was part of the Battle Royal and he was the second last guy in the match, I think Andre had Bret Hart on his on his head. He dumped Bret Hart to win that match. Well, so. in that era, on the network, on the WWE network, is a uh, house show match from the Boston Garden <laughs> with Ricky Steamboat and Bret Hart. I've it's, seen that one. Oh, that's, that's a killer a great match. match. I've not yeah. seen that, yeah, yeah. but those are th that would be an excellent match. Those yeah. are two great tacticians. Yeah. Like. And then just the fact that Bret Hart just progressed to be this, he turned into this incredible singles wrestler, right? Which he started at, but you know him. 
primarily in the, in the 80s as a tag team guy. And in the 90s, he really took over. Well, we were talking about how we like, we like bad guys. And the and the Hart Foundation were a couple of the first bad yeah. guys that I really liked. Like yeah. that they were cool. Attitude. They were cool guys. And yeah. the, the crowd used to... Uh, now all long-haired wrestlers come out with their hair wet. But Bret Hart was like the first was guy the first, to do it. Yeah. And, and the crowd used to <laughs> yeah. chant, Grease Yeah, Grease Ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, fucking Bret Hart. And he's just the greatest wrestler. And when he became a singles wrestler, he had that freedom to, like, expand. And he just seemed to be this incredible wrestler that could perform any move. And, you know, he would Make see, it believable. Make it believable. And he would sell like a motherfucker. And he would put these moves together. And you would see him as he moved throughout his career. He would invent these moves. Like, he, the sharpshooter, like, he'd never seen that before. It's like a half Boston Crab, half figure four kind of thing. Well, the figure four around the ring post, that was a yeah. Good, yeah. Oh, yeah when yeah. he first did that one, like, he pulled this guy and he pulls his legs between the ring posts and puts the figure four and he drops back. <laughs> and the ref counts to five. Oh, so great, right? <laughs> so many great moves. And he just seems like a, a great guy. And obviously, he's Canadian, so you have that connection. And, you know, uh, you know the Hart family and, and the, the lineage between his father you know, Stu, who's like this wrestling legend, yeah. and you know, little baby brother Owen, who's like the yeah. greatest, right? And all the other, you know, fuck up heart brothers and sisters, <laughs> right? And the in laws, like oh. Nightheart. Well, the in laws, yeah. yeah. Nightheart, Davy Boy Smith. Now into even women's wrestling. Natalia, right? Yeah. 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 And, 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 yeah. And there's uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. still wrestling, too. Yeah. So, I mean, like, Bret Hart's the but so, yeah, but the, the pink you, and black attack. You 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 talk you talk about all those matches and the Hart Foundation. He also wrestled all those guys and all those matches yeah. are great. Like those matches with the British Bulldog and those matches with Owen. The SummerSlam British Bulldog match is incredible. Yeah. Oh, but there's an even better one from an In Your House that uh, I forget. Well, I guess we just called it In Your House back then. Yeah, right? I might have but, seen that one. Yeah, that's and, a that's a bloody one. Right? Yeah, 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 that's an awesome one. Yeah. So anyway, my match. I'm gonna pick my favorite Bret Hart match is uh, going to be versus baby brother Owen Hart. Now, in 1994, Owen Hart and Bret Hart had two incredible matches. Yeah. They wrestled at uh, WrestleMania in March, and uh, Owen actually won that match, yeah. right, which yeah. is incredible. But the match I'm going to pick the is cage. kind of the, yeah, the cage match yeah. from SummerSlam in uh, August 94, uh, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart uh, in the cage. And this is an incredible match. And when you think of a cage match, you think, oh, that's going to be brutal, a lot of blood and everything like that, right? But there was no blood at all in this cage match. That was of the era, too. There's that era without blood there. Yeah, for yeah, yeah the yeah, early yeah. 90s yeah. was like the PG yeah. era, right? So there was no blood at all. So, you know, this is a match, and we're talking about the, uh, you know, the blue cage yeah. with, with the big squares. Yeah, yeah. So it's easier to climb up on that cage and do different moves. And, you know, I'm sure Bret Hart and Owen Hart, you know, Bret was kind of calling the shots. And, and Owen was working with him, and they're, they're so connected, and they're putting these things, these moves together in this match. Where there's one part where, you know, they're doing this dive for the door, and then like Brett would go and grab Owen's feet and drag him back, and then Owen would do the, and then Brett would do the dive for the door, and then Owen would grab Brett's feet. Well, what, what's testament to to both of them too is that Owen, when he turned into a heel. Brett had to sit him down and say, oh, and you do all these incredible moves, but you have to change your style. If you do some of these high-flying moves, the fans are going to appreciate it. They're going to start yeah, yeah, cheering yeah. for you. So you're you got to do kicks and yeah, dirty things. You right? have to yeah. do dirty things. And Owen, to his, to his credit, excelled at that. He was oh, such yeah. a good Weasley heel. Yeah. And um, you look back on that, and there's not a lot of heels that you can hate. 
but also make you laugh at the same time like Owen Hart did. Yeah. So great. And there's one move that Brett talks about. I think it might be in that Wrestling with Shadows documentary where he talks about that bullshit uh, Montreal. Hey, Babas, don't be knocking my Jager, my stupid. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I found a lighter. Sorry. Yeah. So. So uh, what was I talking? Yeah, there's one move I think. Yeah, in the Wrestling with Shadows documentary, which talks about that bullshit Montreal screwjob. Yeah, I think it might be that one. I don't know. But anyway, Brett's talking about Owen. And he's talking about that specific. You match. might as well uh, take take a gun and, and shoot my head off from from a storyline point of view. That's pretty good, Brett. Huh? There's a move when like I think Brett gives Owen a superplex like off the top of the cage, and he just said how he was so like feeling this moment about how this was his brother and how he's going to protect him in this move and they execute it perfectly and they're both laying like unconscious on the ring and they're just like you know their heads are like next to each other and it's just like, this beautiful moment where Brett's like yeah this is this is what wrestling's all about this is the ballet this is the art right and, and Brett always took wrestling so fucking serious right like if you read his book his book is like six seven hundred pages and the typeset is like eight out of right? all <laughs> the re- out of all the wrestling books that have ever been released and there's a lot of good ones yeah. Bret Hart's is the very best it's so honest it's so unedited like you can tell there's not a ghostwriter on this thing and it's so beautiful and he's a guy that just you know he thinks wrestling is real like he just he, he wants to keep it real you know i love bret hart but uh, he made your mount rushmore too didn't you Bab- uh yeah he did um and i watched lots of bret hart matches before this too what did you and, pick as your favorite bret hart well, match i had trouble because i i know we're like because we're doing mount rushmore that like the focus would be on singles matches but i didn't choose a singles match i chose the five-on-five five match from Canadian Stampede in Ooh. Calgary, Alberta. Uh, no, was, what, he, was he known as Buddy Hart at that? Time? No, no, no. Okay. This was this was uh, at In Your House. What was the date of this? Let me see. July 6, nineteen ninety-seven. Okay. So this is when the, this is at the moment when the Hart Foundation were bad guys in the states but every but but everywhere else they were good guys and this was in calgary the home of the heart foundation and so it's like the culmination like the reason i chose it isn't necessarily because it's bret hart's best performance but it's just because it's in calgary the crowds are going nuts and it's bret hart jim the anvil Nightheart, davy boy smith um brian pillman and Owen Hart against Steve Austin, the Road Warriors, Gold Dust, and Ken Shamrock. <laughs> and the crowd, even though this was after the WrestleMania where Brett and uh, Austin did the, uh, the double turn, as they call it, um, Steve Austin was still a huge heel in Calgary. And just seeing the fact that all these four guys from the Hart Foundation uh, were all like related, whether by blood or by marriage, and in Brian Pillman's case, got his start at Stampede Wrestling and played for the Calgary Stampeders, so that's his connection. And there was just <laughs> really? so, there was just something 
about it and the, the crowd reaction. It was like everything. The whole, it was like everything Bret Hart had done in his career. Yeah. This was like the real send off he should have had rather than the Montreal screw job. If Bret Hart could have finished his career yeah. at this moment, it would really? have been. You love would, it that much? Oh, yeah. And one thing I forgot to mention about my match in the Steel Cage is the extended family was also in the crowd oh, at the front man. row. The same with your match. Yeah. And at the Steel Cage match, this was. Yeah, one, Bruce Hart got a couple of shots the, in. Yeah, this yeah. is the moment with Jim, Jim Neidhart. Like to turn on the Hart family, and he kind of like jumped uh, Bret Hart, and they it was like a pile on in the cage after the the Owen uh, Bret match. Yeah, but, and the same thing happened at this right. Stu Hart was and uh, yeah, everybody what, what's, came in what's, the ring. What's the mother's name? Uh, Helen. Helen oh, Hart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah. was there. And I don't know, Bruce. What's what? Stu. Stu Hart. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, other, with the mustache. But, but so so <laughs> many, so many great matches that um, Bret Hart has had, like singles. Like, there was some like Roddy Piper, Kurt Hennig. Of course, we mentioned Davy Boy Smith. And Owen. yeah, Piper did and the then, job. A Piper didn't let very many people pin no, him. Oh no, never. But never. he let Bret Hart yeah, pin him in, yeah. and then gave him his uh, Intercontinental Championship. Yeah. And what was that? WrestleMania seven. Uh, I think so. Nine, seven or nine. Eight? Seven, I think. Seven or nine? Seven. Eight? Seven, maybe? Maybe eight. I don't know. Around <laughs> that era. Yeah. All the wrestling fans are like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> fucking 1986. Um, yeah, but yeah, and then all those tag matches that it, they, they had with like the British Bulldogs. Remember, they, remember the era when uh, Bret Hart was in the wheelchair? Yeah. <laughs> and they would <laughs> cut out <laughs> and cut promos and he'd be wearing like an Edmonton Oilers jersey. Yeah. And he'd be in the wheelchair and they'd wheel him down. He's like, like the godfather <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> Hart was didn't make my right Mount Rushmore, but he was close. He yeah. was he was definitely in the in the contention uh, for sure. It's, it's the greatest wrestling family in Canada, and he's the greatest uh, wrestler. Wait, out of that wait, family. wait, wait, wait! You're saying uh, they're what? better than the Rujos? Yeah, the Hearts were the, better than the Rujos. <laughs> and I think it's Keith Hart. You might have been talking Keith about Hart, the with the, the mustache. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, Bret Hart, man, he's definitely a giant of Canon, a uh, giant of uh, Canada, which is a what is it, a global icon and a national treasure. Yeah. That's right, yeah, as Steve Austin would say. The excellence of execution. Excellence. The best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. No doubt. All right, so Eric, what do we got, man? Who's uh, who's next right, on your Mount one, Rushman that we have talked? This one is going to be but contentious, maybe. I know it might be contentious with Lee a Better little bit. Better not be fucking Chris Jericho. It is Chris Jericho. Oh, it's Chris fuck. Jericho. Okay, let me press stop right now. <laughs> Chris Jericho. All right, let's get into it. Man. All right. I fucking it's, hate this guy. I, I love Chris Jericho. Oh. This is actually one of my honorable mentions. He didn't quite make yeah. my list, but he'd be a strong number six or seven. He's got a five-year window where he was good, but the last 17 years has really uh, just... Put that right in the dirt. I'm having a Chris Jericho renaissance right now. I, I, I do got like, heat with that I guy. I do like Chris Jericho right now, and it, and it, it goes. Here's a Canadian guy from Winnipeg. Um, he, his style definitely represents a whole bunch. There, he takes from the North American style. He takes from a Japanese style. He takes from a Mexican. So he, can, he takes from a little bit of everywhere. Yeah, he's looking a little older now. Definitely for I sure. I think that works for him though. Yeah, he yeah. does um, the DDP yoga. He, he's He's great on the mic still. He still makes me laugh. See, if, if he Lee, blows on yeah. the podcast. Lee, if Lee let, never listened to Chris Jericho's podcast, you wouldn't feel strongly it's like It's true, this. because I would never have seen a Chris Jericho match since like 2002. He's had some incredible matches yeah. in New Japan and in AEW. And even when he came back, that last time he came back to WWE mm-hmm. and he was best friends with Kevin Owens. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. The list. I've, been, the us- list. I've yeah. been using that in my classroom. But he's the list. Total, You're on my list. But he's a GRAK jerk. 
<laughs> like he's a total like pompous like all whenever he, and it works for him yeah. now because he's he's been a bad guy for such a long he's time. He's in this shitty metal band and he just name drops left and right and makes these jokes and not. But funny that's not and, part of his oh. wrestling persona, and that's yeah. that's a different that's a different world altogether. If One I of my favorite Chris Jericho moments is fighting uh, Dean Malenko, the uh, man of a thousand holds, where Chris Jericho had like a like a 1998 computer. Print out like stack of paper <laughs> with like a thousand. And he was the holes. man. He was the man of <laughs> yeah. a thousand and four holes. Yeah, and like every eighth one was like armbar. <laughs> like I like Chris Jericho, and there was that one point where he was beating like Steve Austin and The Rock, and he became the undisputed champion. And I mean, I, that was the peak of Chris Jericho. But I saw. I just don't I, like him as a guy. I can't stand his podcast. I just he's an asshole. I don't even listen to his podcasts. Uh, that's why you. That's like probably him. yeah. <laughs> uh, but if I go back, uh, the first time I really started liking him was remember Lion Lionheart Lionheart Chris Jericho when he first came to WCW and he's that moved, fan though, favorite. We had the Boston Crab, but it was yeah. like he was like the Lion Tamer. One leg was like half up, and you talk about longevity as well. Yeah, he he comes there and uh, he he's still finding his way. And uh, he starts losing a few matches. And he started taking a big suck after every match. He used to be crying. He used to be kicking temper tantrums. And as soon as he did that, that's when the light bulb went off for me where I went, this guy is going to be great. Uh, You you are so uh, correct. uh, And he had such a good run in WCW. And I think a lot him... And a lot of those other guys that he was wrestling, like your Eddie Guerrero's and uh, Ruby Juice, Ron Mysterio Jr., (laughs) all those guys, I think those matches and those angles, people think it was all the NWO. Um, yeah. But I think those guys were a large draw for and, WCW and he, fans because yeah, they weren't getting that stuff from WWF at the time. Yeah, they were. That was. Uh, it was. Yeah, exactly. He he never went into that NWO territory, but that the uh, that kind of light, I guess, lightweight division as they called it at the time. Yeah, it, cruiserweight. That was some cruiserweight. Yeah. yeah, that was a great. It had some great matches there, yeah. and he continued that. And then it also became the U.S. Championship. Yes, they that's also, right. They, they all went there. The whole Y2J yeah. angle when he first comes to the WWF. Yeah, or w, yeah, w, yeah, that whole yep. yeah promo with but, The Rock. And, yeah. and I remember, Babby, you lent me his book. Remember, like, in the early 2000s, there was all these, like, WWF books coming out. And he had one. And I remember reading it, and it was, like, every other paragraph is, like, yeah, I was hanging out with Lars Ulrich, and he was telling me about <laughs> recording Injustice for All. And, oh, yeah, now... Yeah, Paul Stanley, Paul Stanley, and like it's just like this guy is an asshole, man. Like I just want to like slap him, and oh, I just uh, well, he might be an asshole, but I I love him in wrestling because he's been also, but because he's been a bad guy for the last like the last. He hasn't been a. I mean, he was a good guy for a bit when Kevin Owens turned on him. But other he's a bad than that, guy now. Oh, he's oh. been a bad guy for like in New Japan and AEW. He, he might be actually like maybe the most like on the, on the old PWI ratings. There, he might be like the most, the most hated right Look at this. now. Yeah. We got Andre the Giant is in the Royal Rumble. We're watching Royal Rumble maybe like '89, and that was Axe. Yeah, like just putting a boot to Andre. Who's that guy? Is that Lex Luger? Dick Slater? Dick Slater, maybe? The Rebel Dick Slater? Oh, yeah, the Rebel. It is. Yeah. Oh, it's Kurt Hennig. That's before Mr. Perfect there, Kurt Hennig. Is that Kurt Hennig? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. All right, man, yeah. so I'm up next. So the oh, next... I, got, I got my Jericho match. Oh, so we haven't picked the match. Yeah. Um, I, thought I... I know you want to get rid of the Jericho. I thought, you I, had, I, I... I thought when I was <laughs> taking a piss, you would have gone over that. <laughs> 
Um, what, just one uh, other thing. Right now, uh, AEW Jericho Inner Circle. Uh, I got to say, I'm I'm entertained by. Yeah. Uh, entertained by them. I've right got now. my ticket. <laughs> Le champion. Yeah, Le champion. Yeah. Any time for it. <laughs> he, just, he just he just lost the championship. He did. Yeah, yes. that's right. Yeah. He lost it to uh, Moxley. John Moxley, yeah. who's also I, in New Japan. Actually, the there's a podcast that I listen to, which is called uh, Pod of Thunder. Shout out to those guys. And uh, you know, they they had they recorded a podcast with uh, Chris Jericho the night that he lost that belt, and he fell asleep talking about some Iron Maiden song, Where the Eagles Dare, or something like that. Yeah, so there's a plug for those guys. <laughs> How can you fall asleep during Where well, Eagles I think he was Dare. drinking some Grey Goose, and he probably just lost his title a couple of yeah. hours earlier. Anyway, my, uh, my, my Jericho match is Jericho uh, versus Benoit. Uh, ah. Nine tables, ladders, chairs. Whatever happened uh, to Chris Benoit? Yeah, he, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at, two of the greatest at the time, those two wrestlers... Uh, great wrestler. Yeah, we we, yeah, can, yeah, we can step aside from the uh, the reality Absolutely. of what he, what he did and just talk about Absolutely. how creative a wrestler he was. Yeah. The second coming of Dynamite Kid. Well, now that's a really ironic statement, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> so, to, uh, why do you like this match? Fuck. Chris Jericho, 90s. It's just a great. It, it's Is this WCW match? match? No, it's WWF. Really? Yeah, or W. I can't remember when it changed over there, but anyway. Um, he was remember remember the Jericho Y2K thing that was pretty cool. Yeah, remember his entrance into uh, WWF and then then the Rock, yeah, yeah, like shut him down and be like, no one cares. But it's just it's just a really good uh, uh, ladder match basically, um, and uh, they're, they're they're doing all the they're doing all the fun stuff with the ladders and, yeah. and then ladders are coming off the ropes and smacking them in the head and. Uh, it, but 20 minutes long and, and we're, it, it's just got the, all the good classic stuff they always talk about the Shawn Michaels ladders match and all Chris that Chris Jericho has probably yeah. done more than, than exactly yeah. yeah absolutely so for and Jericho and Benoit they're doing you know just seeing that headbutt off the top rope and again you know, I know it's Benoit and everything but uh, yeah uh, he's he, was a, he was a great wrestler yeah, that, he caught that from he, Dynamite he, Kid yeah. but he, he did yeah he, he did yeah. Jump a oh, bit his higher. style is so similar to Dynamite yeah, Kid absolutely and, but what's the same is they both look really like Ball. Yeah, like, they're like little tiny guys that are like too muscly for yeah, their size. Yeah, you know? exactly. And they would yeah. do that snap suplex. Yeah, remember like Chris Benoit snap suplex? So great, right? What they call the Wolverine, right? Yeah. All the right, Canadian Crippler. Can we get off fucking Chris Jericho? All right. So my uh, the third guy on my Mount Rushmore. So I got Hulk up there. I got Bret Hart with his fucking shades and the, the wet hair just got out of the shower, right? And then next to that. I'm gonna have a guy with you know fucking shaggy long black hair. He's got like a scruffy beard and he's missing a couple of front teeth. I'm gonna have Mick Foley on Mount Rushmore. Well, and I, I join you for that one as well. You're on with that one. So, but this is gonna be like like a, like a three-sided you know Mount Rushmore sculpture, and it's gonna have one side is gonna be like Cactus Jack, right? And like one side is gonna be Mankind with the mask, and then the other side is gonna be Do Love, right? <laughs> Because, you know, he's one of those, like, multiple personality wrestlers, right? Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, Dude Love, Mankind, it's all the same. Yeah. What a guy that just, you know, went to the top and was just such a hardcore guy and, uh, <laughs> you know, so and actually, funny. And actually, his books make him more likable for the most part, too. Great he's book. got some good yeah. books. Yeah, yeah. best-selling author, right, yeah. Mick Foley. And he was the first one to really write yeah. his own book the, and, and put it out there. I love the part when he's in Africa. What's and that the, part uh, again? The, the part means in Africa, and I guess 
I guess in Africa it's where like you're the, doing that, where they hold hands while they're walking down the street and he's all freaked out by it. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. I remember there's a part in his book, the first one, Have a Nice Day, which is the great one. And he he make, makes a comment about Steve Earle as he was like traveling in a car, in a rental car, like going to a show and he was talking about listening to the Steve Earle Guitar Town tape. And I remember I met him once when he, uh, he did a book signing, I think for his second book at a chapters out by like Mississauga here and I went to meet him and say hi and shake hands and you know I gave him one of my CDs and I said it's kind of like Steve Earle and he said oh cool man <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Mick Foley man I love Mick Foley when I, f I first discovered him in the 90s like there was an era of uh, wrestling like the late 80s like I got out of wrestling probably like 88, 89 my teen years like wrestling kind of wasn't cool for a bit there in the late 80s, early 90s, and kind of got back into it. In so 90s. you weren't there for, like, the Sergeant Slaughter, Ultimate Warrior era? Yeah, like, I knew about it, but I just wasn't as, I mean, like... The I mean, the Iraqi sympathizer. I, I, I loved era. when he brought when he brought the title back to Baghdad. It was a beautiful moment, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and, he, and it was a purple title belt, because he wanted off the Ultimate Warrior, and they changed the leather belt to purple, right? Yeah. So it was weird. But anyway, yeah, I kind of got into wrestling, but I got really back into it, like, around 95, 96, when the Attitude Era and WWF... WWF came and you know ECW and Mick Foley and I discovered Mick Foley and Cactus Jack and this, this hardcore wrestling right and he was just incredible like these moves and he would just sacrifice his body and you kill it you could tell this was yeah. a guy that just loved wrestling right so yeah Mick Foley and it's such a, a comedic wrestler there was that period where you know he joined WWF as Mankind they put this character Mankind on him with the you know, the mask. Which, when I first heard about it, I was kind of like, Ugh. it just yeah, like Cactus Jack. Such a big doing? gimmick. Yeah. It was yeah. a they're huge gonna, gimmick, yeah, and it's like weird, right? Him, but it turned out, yeah, it turned out great. He sold it, right? He made it great. Like all those promos where he was in like the boiler room, and you know those matches with the Undertaker, where he's really, you know, selling himself as this crazy, this crazy guy, mankind, right? And then finally, you know, there was that interview that happened on Raw where Jim Ross. You know, talk to mankind, and it was like half mankind, half Mick Foley, and all this, you know, realism was coming out, and all that stuff was happening, right? And, you, and then you saw that, you know, what what a fan of wrestling mankind and Mick Foley was, and then he, you know, he put together this, you know, the, you know, the mankind character almost became comical. We we put on that shirt and tie, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was kind of like the corporate mankind <laughs> for a bit, right? <laughs> I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head where you go, this guy just loves wrestling. Yeah, he gets like, every aspect of it. Absolutely, the yeah. Comedy, the hardcore, yeah. the realism, you know, the drama, the characters, yeah. like the selling, right? He would sell like no other. Yeah. He would risk his body for the, those shots where they'd be outside the ring and they would throw him into the, uh, oh. the stair steps and he would just take it full on with his oh. knee and flip over the top. The, the amount of abuse that guy took, oh. I, in Incredible. And obviously Hell in the Cell. Yeah. That match well, that's, just, Yeah, that goes oh, kind of goes that, match, that match is crazy. I remember... Like, we watched it live, yeah. pay-per-view. We were just like, I've never seen anything like this. That yeah. first... Yeah. Like, within the first two minutes, they're up on the top of the cage. They've tried to recreate that, but there's your, they're normally... Now they have, like, stunt pads under, yeah. like, the yeah. Uh, yeah. announce tables. Or, or things are a little bit yeah. rigged. They're well, there was that follow-up match where they had, like... Uh, I think it was Cactus Jack versus Triple H, Hell in the Cell. You know, and Triple H threw him. A follow-up to the street fight? Yeah, the, yeah. Hell in the Cell. And they threw him through the yeah. top of the cage into the ring. And you could tell that the, 
the spot was like triggered to the yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. give way and you're like ah yeah. oh, that's kind of lame yeah. but the first Hell in the Cell with the that, Undertaker that was full on real that was... Undertaker threw him off the top of the cage and he landed on the announce mm-hmm. table and like he was crumpled up and like you know the reaction from Jim Ross is legendary yeah <laughs> whatever he says, I think I think they just killed him or whatever. Yeah, I think yeah. he's dead. My God, they killed him. My God, they killed him or whatever. He's broken in half. That, that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And then they in, take in him back into the room, yeah. and then he comes back. Yeah, right? he comes back, and they do him more. And... He came out against in, in the uh, in the Austin Kane match later yeah. on that night. That was not too. the main event. That was the second last yeah, match, yeah. right? And then like twenty minutes later, he comes back. We're like all covered in blood and bandaged up, and like <laughs> so uh, so amazing. So he, I don't think he remembers that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think yeah, yeah. Uh, he has no recollection because he had a, quite a concussion there. Yeah. Every, and and you know. The, so the, is that your is that your favorite match? No. Just, okay. Let me. Uh, I, my notes fell on the floor because we've got the windows open. So my match is. Uh, I think we talked about it earlier, but it's versus Terry Funk, and it's King of the Death match in Japan, which was uh, what was the year on that? 1995, August 95, King of the Death match tournament. Right. So you had like a, like eight guys going through a tournament match where I think uh, there's a few brutal matches oh. with Terry Funk from Japan yeah. that he's had but no, we're talking Mick Foley though, yeah, right? yeah yeah so uh so the first match is like he, he fights Terry Gordy and this is like a like a like a barbed wire match and, or uh and then the second match he fights another guy he's got a barbed wire and like a bed of nails and then the final match he fights Terry Funk and it's like you know it's got the the, the ring is gonna explode yeah at the 12 minute mark plus we've removed all the ring ropes and we replaced them with three barbed wire ropes right and there's like a you know there's a bed of nails there's a barbed wire bat there's c4 yeah. like like mine yeah. and it's just this incredible like match and you see pictures of foley like after this and his arm is all like burned and yeah well he tells a story in his book about how his arm was all burnt and it stunk in the airplane on the way back Ooh. And then doesn't he come home to his wife, Colette? She says, what's Colette? that burning smell? Colette, Colette, Colleen, or Colette? I think Colette, yeah. Yeah, and she goes, what's that burning? And it's like, oh, it's my arm. <laughs> Landed on some C4 last night, <laughs> Terry Funk, right? And the match, the way the match ends, too, is, is uh, you know, kind of odd. Like, I think Terry Funk has him up on the ladder like he's going to suplex. Suplex him off the ladder, and they kind of just fall and just fully just kind of drapes an arm off across him, and he wins the match, one, two, three, but it's... Uh, it's just an amazing, amazing thing, and you know how can you how can you not love Mick Foley? Yeah. You know? Okay. Well, <laughs> let, why, why don't we go into mine, which is yeah, also yeah. Mick Foley. He's on your Mount Rushmore, Mick yeah. Foley. So you're you're Ric Flair, you're uh, Bret Hart, Foley. and Mick Foley. Foley. Yeah. Three for three. Um, and I also have a Terry Funk match. Even though they've ha- they have a bunch, I've got uh, from. Well, you alluded to the Chainsaw Charlie. Like, uh, can you hold on to that for a little yeah. bit later? Was that what you were talking about? Yeah, Bama? yeah. You were about to, you, we, we were talking about them fighting in the WWF, and this isn't this isn't a Japan match. This is actually in WWF, and it was on Raw one night. Let me see what the date was. Oh, I don't have it. Um, but I think it was 1998. Right. And Steve, Attitude era. Steve Austin was the champion, and Terry uh, Terry Funk. And Mick Foley wrestled for a number one contenders match. Falls count anywhere. And 
This is, I think, the only time he's been introduced as Mick Foley and not one of his characters. I remember that match. Yes. He's wearing black track pants, yes. some running shoes, and like, you know, red and black and, plaid. And red and black plaid. Uh, Scarborough plaid tuxedo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scarborough yeah. tuxedo, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Steve Austin is the commentator. Yes, Steve so is great. All, all the, all the, all, everything surrounding this. So I oh, choose this. I choose, I I choose this match also because it's so much fun. Not just the match, but the fact that Steve Austin is was calling, commentating yes. this match. It was incredible. <laughs> we got beer. We got blood. This is quality wrestling. Yes. And, and I can't see a damn thing because the people are going crazy. You think that? We got a little blood, we got some beer, we got one hell of a show going on right now. This is quality entertainment. This is what the WWF is all about, in my humble opinion. Foley and Terry Funk were battling out into the crowd to the concession yeah, stand. Yeah, yeah. So and great. Steve Austin was, he said, I can't see nothing. He was standing on the announce table, looking back out into the crowd, drinking beer. And meanwhile, <laughs> You go back into the concession stand, Mick Foley suplexing the hot dog guy <laughs> that Terry Funk has already apparently knocked into off camera. And then Terry Funk climbs into the crowd up into the upper railing and proceeds to do a moonsault yeah. back onto the concrete floor in the concession area and landing on Mick Foley and once again the poor hot dog guy who's finally getting up from his suplex. Oh, I want to watch that match and right now. It's amazing. Yeah, and there's and there's popcorn everywhere. They battle into the back and they we eventually were probably, battle. We probably for, watched that together. That might have been Oh a, yeah, for sure. That we, was a Monday Night Raw episode. So where we were watching every single one and that started at midnight. Yeah, I'd because yeah. It, it would start at, it would go nine to eleven, but you worked at the Kmart pharmacy. Yes. Right until at Pickering like Townsend. Yeah. yeah. Until like ten. So you would be like, Lee, don't watch it, but I'll come over at like midnight <laughs> and we'll watch midnight to two. Yeah. And I was like I was like 23, so I'm like, yeah, fuck, I'll stay up till 2. So you would come over at like 11.30, and we would watch Raw from 12 to 2, and see these moments so great right But now. we loved it. Oh, like, we it loved was, it. It was good times. Yeah. So great. Yeah, <laughs> so, so much fun. Mick Foley ends up winning this match against Terry Funk, and it leads into what is an honorable mention, was... At the end of this match, Mick Foley walks up How the does ramp. He, what's the finish? Doesn't he give him like a pile driver and he pins uh, him or something I think like that? he gives him yeah, maybe a or a DDT onto a um, steel chair that he's already hit him with. Okay. And I want to watch that match right now, actually. Um, I think it's a double arm DDT he gives onto the steel chair. He would maybe? do that thing like yeah. almost like the shake, rattle, and roll. Yeah. Move, but he would oh, give yeah. him a drop of DDT, but he would hook the... Uh, he would hook the uh, the left arm, put but drop him down. Anyway, he walks up the ramp, and all of a sudden, the dude love music hits. Vince McMahon comes out dancing <laughs> with two bikini-clad women, <laughs> and then Mick Foley starts dancing with him. Even after this brutal beating, yeah. that he's just taking from Terry Funk, and he starts doing that thing where he's doing the hands switching over the knees, and yeah. and then he's dancing with the girls, and then he puts one of the bikini-clad women woman over his shoulder and leaves while Vince is still out there dancing for Austin and Austin is just in the ring having a beer with the confused look on his face and anyway 
And then the next, they go on to wrestle um, at the next pay-per-view. And it's an incredible match. Is that and the one in Hamilton, which is with the cars? The cars. And uh, it's like the referee, like the timekeepers Br- are the Brisco- Br- Jerry Briscoe Brisco and, and Pat, Pat Patterson. Patterson yeah. And, Mick, and uh, McMahon is like the announcer. So yeah. they're all getting, yeah, that's a great one. All right, Eric, so uh, what do you got? Uh, no, Baba. That's it? Oh, do you want to? Because, uh, Baba, you, you doubled right. up on me with Mick Foley. So what's, uh, is there another guy you got on your uh, Mount Rushmore that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, well, we have talked about him. Uh, but he is uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, he's on my list. He made my Mount Rushmore. He's got so many. He's got, he's got even though his career was shorter than uh, somebody, uh, like he could have even gone on to wrestle a few more years if it weren't for injuries. Even like people forget that they talk like the early WCW stuff wasn't good. It was good. Stunning and Steve he Austin. Was, Stunning Steve yeah. Austin was great. And Eric, he talks about... Not, I remember like going yeah. to your place and we would watch all these WCW pay-per-view yeah, events yeah. in the early 90s. And I always remember like saying, like, I love Stunning Steve yeah, Austin. Yeah. yeah, and all with, that with Dangerous Medusa, Alliance. Medu- yeah, Dangerous that's right. Alliance. That's right, yeah. That was a great yeah, era. Yeah. And then yeah. him with Brian Absolutely. Pillman, that tag yeah. team, the Hollywood Blondes. And they, they talk about how he didn't know how to use the mic before, but he got some great interviews. Mm. Like, yeah. The when attitude, and, yeah. Yeah, when him and he just had an attitude. When him and Brian, thing, when right? him and Brian Pillman were fighting, I think Flair and Arn and and Arne Anderson, mm-hmm. Arn Anderson, another one of my top ten honorable mentions. Um, that like the 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 jaw jacking that went off b- between those mm-hmm. two teams was awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, my my favorite match. What's your match? Him, is WrestleMania 13. Okay, let me stop you right there. That's my match, too. Because ah. he made my Mount Rushmore. Which would probably be my Bret Hart match, too. I think it might be the best match. Well, I, I kind of took, 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 like, if I didn't have Steve Austin on my Mount Rushmore, I would have picked that match versus yeah. Stone Cold as the best Bret Hart yeah. match because it's just incredible. Yeah, but, like, for Bret Hart, it's just an awesome match. Um, but for Steve Austin, it really jump-started his career like he was already because he was a villain and all of a sudden you're like this villain is fucking awesome yeah yeah and they took him that next level and they did that famous double turn in this match the best double turn ever and then in the history in the in the hundred year history of wrestling the best double turn ever is bret hart versus stone cold steve austin at wrestlemania but the best part is ken shamrock being the referee <laughs> he, uh, no, 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 Tim, no, he, he does, does a he good job. job. And like you'll, ne- you, you won't get a bad word from Brett or Steve yeah, no. on Actually, Ken Sharmark. He's, he's a he called us straight. He, 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 he played that. And he recently returned to Impact. Have you seen any of the Impact Wrestling? With, no, uh, I haven't. No. no, but is yeah. he there? Okay. Yeah, he comes and wrestles yeah. occasionally. <laughs> and it's it. Sometimes and this was in Chicago go, too, right? Chicago was a big Steve Austin town. Like you yeah. always talked, this was at the Rosemont Horizon, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Rosemont, Illinois, just yeah. like a but suburb the match of uh, is, the Chicago. The match is incredible, and when um, the, the part where you know Brett wraps the uh, the, the the orange cord around Steve yes. Austin's neck, like he's gonna choke him out, yeah. and then Steve grabs the ring bell and like. Oh. Smacks him in the head. Oh, that's great! And obviously the ending. We got to talk about the ending. Yeah, it has him in the sharpshooter and for Steve like Austin's, four, three or four Steve minutes. Steve Austin's got blood pouring down his face. And that moment where he does the push up and the blood just pours. Yeah. Oh my god! And he just passes out. And Bret Hart technically wins. Yeah. Like, that's that's like a 
an honorable loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's before that's before they did more of these too. That wasn't a common finish for somebody yeah. just passing out. And, and, he's, and he, people are like booing Bret Hart, and Bret Hart's walking back to the dressing room after like winning, and he's just like, "Fuck you!" And he's well, like, even he's at, like turning bad as he's going even, down. Even yeah. there was something subtle, even like at the yeah. beginning of the match where Stone Cold Steve Austin's the glass breaks before he comes out, and then when Bret Hart comes out, he has to walk through the glass. And he's he like, looks down. Of, he's yeah. Like, yeah, and he's like, "What the? What yeah. the fuck is this?" Yeah, like, it's uh, disrespectful. Yeah, oh, beautiful point, Bava. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Bret Hart versus Steve Austin, one of the greatest matches of all time. You remember that match, Eric? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it, great match. Great match. Was you you guys too. have summed it up here pretty know, much. Like, yeah. There was that point in the match too where like that was like in the no blood era, right? But there was a yeah. part where like Bret Hart was like he had it. He he had it in his mouth. And he spit, and you can see you it. You can when see he it, seems, right? Like if you pause the part, they're they're on the outside of the ring. Yeah, and and Steve Austin was still coming up, so he didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah. For bleeding against orders, so Bret Hart said, "I'll take care of that." I'll take for care you. of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The onus will be on me. Yeah. I'm like, my heart is pouncing. Like, it's such a great <laughs> moment. It's so beautiful. So perfect, right? Wrestling. Oh, we got to love wrestling. So that's my uh, Mount Rushmore, all four guys. That's, is that your four? Yeah, that's yeah. my four. I've got my four. That's your four. Yeah. Did, so you, did you say all four? Yeah, I got the Flair, Jericho, Funk, Kogan. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah uh, what about some honorable mentions? Terry, honorable Terry mentions? Funk well, is definitely my number five. Like, if this wasn't a Mount Rushmore, yeah. Terry, because he comes up. He's also had good Matt. He had a great match with Bret Hart at one of his so-called retirements, too. Yeah, so-called. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's there's a throughway through all of my guys. Mick Foley, mm-hmm. Ric Flair, Bret Hart, all have had fantastic matches with Terry with, Funk. With the, yeah. it, it seems everything's come back to Terry Funk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In a lot of ways, yeah. Actually, I'm going to look yeah. up to see if Austin has had a singles match with Terry Funk. Uh, who know? I don't know see about if that. that happened at any point. One of my honorable mentions has got to be Andre the Giant. You know, Andre's... He's just amazing. I, there's there's nothing I can say bad about that guy. Like that's a good guy. When he with the heel turn with Bobby Heenan was incredible because when I got into wrestling, Andre was feuding with John Studd and King Kong Bunny and Bobby Heenan. Yeah. And in the heel turn in '87, where he decided he wants to take down Hogan because he's the best. Yeah. And he took on Bobby Heenan. It was just incredible. So you know that era, and you know the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase era. <laughs> Where he won that belt, and he claimed, I still think that was fine. And he claimed that he was think, the, the, the tag team championship of the world, or whatever. <laughs> in that Saturday, in that main event interview post uh, match, or whatever, right? it was so great. So you know, Andre the Giant, and, and we got to talk about the Honky Tonk Man. Oh, he's definitely in my honorable mentions <laughs> for sure. Yeah, even though maybe not the the best wrestler of all time, but as far as a personality, personality and a character. Like the honky tonk man, yeah. come on, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly, <laughs> just exactly. Just he just goes man. to show you yeah. how you don't need to be a so-called technical worker who, who like, yeah. he, he was able to still make matches interesting too by his stalling and his antics. One of my favorite moments of the honky tonk man is where he wasn't even wrestling in a match. It was Kamala who was also on a wrestling doll on this table. Yeah, I'm representing Kamala tonight, Jeff Harris. I got Magnus Jeff Harris I got behind Magnus the music. And I got Wayne Ferris, the Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> Eric's got Honky Tonk yep. Man, and Baba's got Don Morocco. Um, Beach Bomb. Yeah, but uh, he. It was a match with Kamala and Jake the Snake. And he interfered at the end. Uh, and. Um, 
kimchi yes. took off the mask and it was it the was Honky Tonk I do remember. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. I ran into Honky Tonk Man at uh, Calgary Comic Book Expo. Yeah. You lived in Calgary for a bit there. Yeah, for right? three years. Did you ever go to the Hart House while you were no, there? No, I always meant to. You should have done that. Yeah. Even just to walk by, because they I, have, You know like, what? I might have even walked by it and not They have, it. like, a like a gate with, like, pillars in it. Yeah. They'll say Hart House. Oh, okay. Even just to get a picture of that would be awesome. Uh, Brett Hart. Brett Hart, everybody. But uh, I talked to Honky there, and he said, oh, what I remember most about that was how hot it was, because he had his jumpsuit on underneath the kimchi outfit. <laughs> and he goes, I remember sweating up the storm. <laughs> Remember your, uh, we saw Honky Tonk Man do that like three and a half hours spoken word in the snowstorm. In a snowstorm. Have, like, have you mentioned this on the podcast? We have, yeah. yeah. Okay. It was like January 30th, like maybe like 2017, my mom's birthday. We saw Honky Tonk Man give a spoken word. At Ajax Yuck Yucks. Ajax Yuck Yucks. And there was like literally 20 people there. But he talked to us for three hours. <laughs> We had like four or five like interactions with them. <laughs> it was so great. Yeah, just taking fan questions and yeah. Yeah, HTM. Yeah, I got HTM written down here somewhere as, <laughs> as well. I also have to put Harley Race in yeah. my honorable mentions. I'm wearing a Harley Race T-shirt right now yeah. as we're talking about this. Uh, Based on a drawn by, by a sketch by Tony yeah. Atlas. Yes. Yes. And, and for years, he was the uh, you know he was the guy who held the most NWA titles for a yeah, very long time. Yeah. His six until Flair got the seventh. Yeah. That was kind of one of the benchmarks. Six time world champion, and he was a, such a great and he had some wrestler. Great, he had some great matches with yeah. Terry Funk too. Yeah, yep, had, yeah. All the, like Terry Funk and him, they 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 intertwine a lot. They had really great matches with a lot of the same guys back in the seventies. Yeah, going back yeah. to the old uh, Missouri wrestling, there yeah. the, 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 the stepping State stone champion. to the NWA. <laughs> Championship yeah. <laughs> was a Missouri State Championship. We're, we're watching another Royal Rumble here. This is like Royal Rumble. Arn and Tully trying to throw out Roddy Piper there. I got Ar- no, that's like uh, that's one of the Midnight Rockers. Is that Janetti? Oh, is that Shawn Michaels? That's Tully and Arn thro- trying to throw out Marty Janetti. Well, Arn Anderson is also in one of my honorable mentions. He's one of those guys. Oh, one of the, I, one of the uh, Berserk. Uh, not only do I like his matches, the Bushwhackers. Oh. I thought you said Berserker was yeah. in your honorable mention. No, not at all. <laughs> John Nord. Roddy Piper. We haven't talked about Roddy yeah, Piper. Yeah, Roddy's got to be in there. Come on, Ro- Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, Probably yeah, the, definitely, yeah. The sure. best villain of the eight of the eighties, the early eighties. Come on. I think I think so. There's there's points where like I I think when Roddy Piper was was really good, he was great and he was awesome. But sometimes, like, I really didn't like Roddy Piper when he was really overly goofy. Like, not just... Are you talking about, like, the good guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the good guy is... If you're talking about, like, 82 to 85 Piper, though. Oh, no, that was incredible. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. The 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 dog collar dog collar match. Greg Valentine. incredible. I go back, I watch that every once in a while. Even the the WrestleMania 2 boxing match with Mr. T is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. The part where he just... He's like, you know what? This mat is fucking bullshit. I'm just going to throw this stool at this motherfucker <laughs> and, like, body slam him. And then, like, I don't give a fuck. And, like, it was so great, right? <laughs> I'll just say this when it comes to Roddy Piper. You want a banana? You want a coconut? <laughs> Absolutely. One of my favorite moments ever. Yeah. Trimming that. And, and, like, as soon as Jimmy Snooker is, like, about to, like, explode and, like, get revenge, Roddy Piper's just like, 
Oh, here's this door that I'm just going to slip behind and lock so you can't get in, right? <laughs> I recently watched a, cl- a clip of him and uh, Cowboy Bob Orton kidnapping the Haiti kid and shaving his head. <laughs> yeah, clippers. Oh, yeah, so my bodyguard man. ace. <laughs> Remember when Cowboy Bob Orton started wearing a pink cowboy hat because he became Adrian Adonis? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right, fellas, man. Well, let's... Uh, Let's put a uh, button on this. Uh, I appreciate you guys hanging out and talking about some wrestling for uh, an hour or so here. So, uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. thank you very much. Thanks for uh, showing up on the show. Eric, you got any plugs for us? Uh, I'll just say I just had one more on the it's Antonio Inoki going international. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's for another time. Yeah. I don't uh, really know that guy. He was, he's a Japan guy. Yeah. Big yeah. matches with Hulk and uh, Andre, obviously, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, fought Muhammad Ali. Really? And as far as uh, in Japan, he's probably the kind of Hulk Hogan of Japan in the 70s yeah. and 80s. I'd also put a couple of Japanese wrestlers in my honorable mention, except they're actually current right now. Uh, and that would be um, Kazuchika Okada and uh, Tetsuya Naito. I'm actually wearing an LIJ cap that I bought in Japan. Oh, and that's uh, a, that's yeah, hardcore man. That's, that's his uh, stable. My wrestling fandom died in the uh, 20th century as along with star wars and kiss i'm a 20th century uh wrestling kind of guy i've heard a lot of idle chatter that really doesn't matter to me a lot of you guys want to see me in agony but the measure of a man understand is more than your common pattern it's the way i'll make you eat those words that matter If you only knew what I'm gonna do to you, you'd be running out of here as fast as two feet could carry you. Your destiny belongs to me. If you only knew. I got some real bad news. May involve your body. You've been talking too much, too long, too loud. But you ain't scaring nobody. You see, talk is cheap when you can't keep your promise of destruction. I think you'll see because of me. You'll need reconstruction. If you only knew what I'm gonna do. got a prize. Oh, I'd like to bust you up real, real bad. Yeah, see Virgil. If you only knew what I'm gonna do to you, you'd be running out of here as fast as two feet could carry you. Your destiny belongs to me. If you only
That's the show, friends. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website, TrampsLikeUsPod.com, communicate with us on Facebook, on our Tramps Like Us podcast group page, and on Twitter, at TrampsLikeUsPod. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, where you can leave a review and a five-star rating. Rockin' and Rollin' and Whatnot Sidecast is a nonprofit audio fanzine created by fans for fans and is available for free. We are not affiliated with Bruce Springsteen or any of the artists featured on the show. If you have heard any music you like, please find it and purchase it via iTunes, Amazon, your local record store, or wherever music is sold. As always, gratitude and respect to all of the great musicians and performers we feature on the show. Stay cool and keep rocking and rolling and whatnot. And my distinguished guest from the Middle East is from Persia, from Iran. He is Sheikh Alahani Khosrovasari the Iron Sheik. Anybody that knows wrestling knows that it's synonymous with the Iron Sheik. Welcome back to the beautiful South Florida area here in Miami. Thank you very much, Jin Min, intelligent American, intelligent Miami city, all American resting city. People like you always tell the Min Sheik, welcome to the Miami. Now, all of the sons, young punk American, come to the WWF, toughest, roughest area in the world, and he beat bunch American, and he makes a name for himself. Exactly. You know who I'm talking about, I right? know, exactly. Exactly. Now, Miami, all intelligent American, Italian, my banzan, Iranian, all Jewish people, yeah. intelligent Jew like yourself, they know about the Aaron Sheik. They know who's the Aaron Sheik. They have the, the from John F. Kennedy Airport to the Los Angeles, California. They know who's the Aaron Sheik. Now, Corporal Kirshner. Corporal Kirshner. Forever. Last time you was lucky, that blonde was your partner. Danny Spivey. Exactly. This time, just you and I. Precisely. Exactly. You better get ready, because Sheik born ready. Cameraman. So much. Thank you. Miami's Night Center, Monday, April 28th. We'll be back up into the ring in just a moment or two for more exciting fucking action.